Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Your kid like to read. Do you know what he likes to do with his time? Are you spending a lot of time trying to keep him from doing things that are, oh, I don't know, bullyish and stuff like that and, and saying the wrong things at the wrong time? Well, you know what? I got a guy here. His name is Dr. Danny Brassell, and he is worked his for virtually his entire life. I think he must have been like three because he's been working for three decades. Um, so, you know, he's been, uh, he served as an educational advisor to students ranging from preschoolers to rocket scientists. Now, that must, that's quite a leap. Uh, but uh, he's he's uh, written books. He's got uh, programs, and it's all designed to work with kids so that they can learn to read, and it opens up their world in, in ways that uh, that they will never never forget, and it will be a way for them to really participate in society. And so, Dan, Doctor Danny, how are you? Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. And thanks for spreading some joy in the world. We need a lot more of you. Well, <laughs> well, you're here too. So, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, it is so, it is so true. We need, we need to change our, our, I don't know if belief structure is the right word, but we need to change what we're doing to be more effective and to get kids because that's, I, they are the future after all. Um, we're not going to be the future, sadly, you and I, but, uh, the kids, it's very important that, that we teach them the right way to do stuff. And we're going to talk about a, a, um, platform that you're using. Um, it's got a social media platform that, uh, has been developed for kids five to 12. It's really is a cool thing. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the reading programs that you have and everything. But first I got to ask you. You're a, you're a very talented guy. You could do anything that you want to do. And in fact, in, in some of the folks that have been talking about you, they say you're a cross between, and this is a high bar, by the way, uh, Robin Williams and uh, Jim Carrey. And, uh, but you do a lot, of, a lot of stuff. Why this? Why aren't you um, making millions of dollars as a corporate head of someplace? <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm more than uh, optimistic. I'll, I'll I'll take up any opening that people uh, have. That's fine. Basically, Kevin, my my mission is to bring joy back into education and the workplace, and so I do that in four different ways. First of all, I speak all around the world to uh, schools, really trying to get the teachers and administrators not to quit. We're losing way too many gifted and talented educators. Secondly, uh, I have the world's top leading reading engagement program online, which basically trains parents in just a couple of months to get their kids to read more, read better, and most importantly, love reading. Uh, third, I uh, train entrepreneurs and business executives, basically anybody who's looking for a way to create a powerful presentation that gets their audience to take what I call the next step, whether it's to buy their product, donate to their cause, or just to accept their idea. And finally, uh, the last thing you're talking about, which is something I'm really excited about, is uh, I work with a great company called CyberSmarties, which is basically a social media platform for kids ages 5 to 12 that teaches them how to use social media in a positive manner. <laughs> which, which would be really cool because, you know, I see 
so many kids that are on social media and using their iPhones and stuff, it's almost like it it, it has become their babysitter. Mm. And uh, parents tend to let them on the FaceTime, if you will, too much. And so they end up uh, just learning a kind of a skewed existence of life, I think. Yeah, I call them idiots. They don't know what to do with they don't have a video screen in front of them. So uh, trying to teach them how to communicate face to face and how to be a little bit kinder to one another. <laughs> you know, I asked my son about that one time because he texts everybody and he doesn't talk to people. And I said, why do you do that? Because you miss a human connection of yeah. a voice of the inflection of their voice and what they're trying to say and how they're saying it. And he says, well, dad, it's really quite simple. I can talk to more women at the same time this way. <laughs> All you need is one good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's still working on that, but yeah. uh, you know, but that's, and I, I, I said to him, but, but, that doesn't make any sense at all. And he says, well, you know, uh, that's just how we are down there. He got so good at texting, he could text in class with his phone in his pocket. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. I don't know if you can put that on a resume, but it is a skill. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it didn't work out very well for him that way. But, but, you know, it's great that you're teaching kids and working with parents to help them learn how to teach their kids how to read and to make it fun for the kids. And it's not a chore. Yeah, I do that because I think, Kevin, that schools in America, they do a, an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, well, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read. I want them to choose to do it on their own because they love it. And there are some simple strategies that I share with parents and also teachers. You do these things with the kids, you're going to get the kids to absolutely love reading. Here's a quick tip for everybody listening right now is, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think television is here to stay. Uh, and I, I'm not a person that fears technology. I embrace it and figure out ways to use it to my advantage. Uh, President Bush Sr. signed a very important law in the United States over 30 years ago. It said every television set in America has to have closed captioning. So the first tip I always give parents is turn on the closed captioning. And parents will say, well, wait a second, the show's in English and the subtitles are in English. What good does that do? I'm like, well, that's a fair point, but let me make a point. Have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the subtitles? It's very difficult to do. Your brain is actually directed towards that text. There's actually research to support this. If you look at um, reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores are in every single country on the planet, except for one. The country where kids watch the most TV also has the highest reading scores in the world. It's Finland. And people always ask me, well, how can that be? I'm like, well, Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they have to do is they have to import all these old American sitcoms like Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island and translate them into Finnish. The kids are reading the subtitles constantly. So that's an easy strategy any parent can implement right now. Turn on the closed captioning on your TV set. So the, the um, moral of that story is build crappy uh, sitcoms so that kids... <laughs> <laughs> don't right. understand what they're saying and so you turn on the closed captioning so um because it you know tv is well that's all that's a story for a whole nother time because there you go <laughs> you know, tv is tv is really something but uh um i i think it's great to 
what you're doing because you're teaching kids because you can't in your opinion can you be successful in business if you have trouble reading or don't like to read not at all i mean there's there's plenty of examples of readers that don't necessarily become effective leaders but i can't tell you a single effective leader in history in any endeavor whether it's in the military business um you know uh, athletics entertainment industry whatever you can't show me a single effective leader that's not also an avid reader. I mean, uh, they say General Schwarzkopf used to be able to read in four languages. You could quote Shakespeare, no, no problem at all. Um, you know, you got business people like Warren Buffett. He reads all day. Elon Musk still reads at least one book a day. Richard Branson uh, was dyslexic, but he still listens to audiobooks, which is usually the advice I give to dyslexics because they process information better with their ears. I'm like, well, put in an audiobook. You can do your reading that way. Um, LeBron James, when he played for the Miami Heat before the NBA Finals, I could have kissed him because they showed him in the locker room reading The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. I'm like, wow, you just did more to get kids excited about reading than I'll do my entire lifetime. Uh, then you got like entertainers uh, are constantly reading. I mean, just show me anybody um that i mean a lot of people don't know the story that uh, president kennedy was the person uh, a, a journalist asked him once what he was reading he said oh i'm reading this cool little spy book by this guy named ian fleming it's about this secret agent called james bond because of that press conference mgm bought the rights to the james bond books and now we have a franchise that's lasted over 50 years so uh you know that's a long answer to a short question but yeah no you're not going to be effective as a leader anywhere if you're not also an avid reader. Well, it's like uh, the Oprah Book Reading Club. Mm -hmm. uh, a gentleman that I've interviewed several times now, uh, Gary Zukoff, he wrote a book called Seat of the Soul, and she, he had sold a few copies of it. Then it went on her, um, and she was on, he was on her program several times, and it went on her book reading club. It became a New York Times bestseller. Well, that's that's what, I mean... You're absolutely right, Kevin. I, I'm a very spiritual person and I have a simple prayer. I say to God every single night, I say, dear Lord, please let Oprah read one of my books and just talk about it on her show. <laughs> that, that will be the way to get to it, to get noticed. Absolutely. I got to ask you, though, and I didn't ask you this before time. We didn't really go down this road, but are leaders made or is it natural ability? Well, I think uh, there's a little bit of a combination of both. But if you look throughout history, uh, a lot of people learn how to rise to the occasion. It's just like anything else. You have to work at it. I mean, I always I love reading presidential biographies. And I look at uh, President Truman's just a remarkable story about how this guy worked his tail off his entire life, becomes leader. I mean, think about that. I, I really wish more politicians would think about that today is uh, Harry Truman sitting at the Senate with a bunch of his Republican buddies. He's a Democrat. He's playing poker, drinking bourbon, and the Secret Service comes in the room. The president is dead. That's how he finds out that he's now the president of the United States. And in his first couple of months as president, he just has to do a couple of small things like give aid to uh, Turkey and Greece, decide if he should drop the atomic bomb. I mean, it was unbelievable what he was thrown into and uh, he, he handled it with amazing grace. I, I would consider him one of the best presidents in history. Um, Teddy Roosevelt, you read about Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, they estimate 
by the time he was 30 years old, he had read over 20,000 books. And so now what you have to say, Kevin, is wow. Say wow. Say wow, Kevin. Wow, say, that's a lot. Yeah. So, I, so I used to look wow. when I taught kindergartners, I'm like, so kids, we got to start reading a lot of kid books. I mean, I read 10 books a day now. I mean, many of them are scratch and sniff and pop up, but I do read 10 books a day. So uh, yeah, if you want to be an effective leader, you need to be a reader and and the leaders rise to the occasion. So yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I really don't think that a, a leader is just naturally a leader. I think uh, you rise to the occasion because that's actually the question I always ask is, you know, when the plane crashes into the ocean and people are like, oh, somebody should jump in and save them. And people are like, yeah, I would do that. And I'm like, would you though? I like to think I would, but I don't know. You know, you never absolutely know. So uh, everybody always gives themselves the benefit of the doubt, but I'm like, I don't know. If, I don't know about that. So, uh, you, you know, and leaders, you, are great. That's, the, that's the answer to your question. <laughs> you, you really don't know until you get into one of those situations. Uh, but I, I would like to suggest that I, when the um, Secret Service came in to the poker game and Harry was sitting there with a with a with a drink in his hand, and they said, "Mr. President, I'll bet you." He said, "Can I have another drink first before yeah, we do?" I hope. I, I would love to. He's a great. He would be part of my bourbon buddy. Uh, I would love that. That would have been great. Yeah, because it's, it's like I'm I'm going to be what, uh, and I am now. You know, yeah. it's 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 really when you look at the human spirit, and you look at what they're capable of. I told a story the last hour and, and on KKNW, and I'll repeat, I'll repeat it here if I can, um, is that uh, I was coming home from the studio in 2003. I was going down uh, I-90, and uh, I see ahead of me a puff of smoke. And I and I and as I was looking at it, I saw a um, black Suburban with a uh, trailer on its side skidding down the highway. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and uh, um, I knew that obviously this had just happened, and uh, and I there was nobody there, and so I stopped my car and I got out, and and somebody else had stopped, so the two of us approached the vehicle, and there was a a woman, a baby, and four kids in the back, and a dog, and she was screaming hysterically because she didn't she had obviously she had taken the corner too fast and uh, lost control of the SUV. And so I, I opened the door. Now the SUD, SUV doors are really heavy. And, and so um, we opened the door and I held there and, and held the door so that he could, and then people started showing up. Uh, people stopped their cars and they, and so we had, at one point we had like 15, 20 people all before the fire department arrived or the police or anybody. And we were working in unison to save these people. Nobody asked for money. Nobody asked for notoriety. Um, and, and the engine was actually starting to catch on fire. And, and so I was standing there, <laughs> I was standing there holding the door, the lady and the baby were trying to get out and the engine was starting to catch on fire. And I said to myself, well, <laughs> I've got a choice. I, I can drop it and run. And then the door is so heavy, she could never open it again. Or right at that moment, right when I was saying, or a, a, a guy in an 18 wheeler stopped 
and he jumped out of his cab and he started running towards us and he said, what do you need? What do you need? And I said, do you have a fire extinguisher? So he turned around, went back, got the fire extinguisher, came back and and blew out the fire wow. um, before it was able to hurt anybody. But my point, that whole thing was we all made the decision yeah. that we weren't going to go anywhere. We were going to st- do whatever it took to get the folks out of the car and we got everybody out. Nobody was hurt. Thank God. And then the fire department showed up and the police and all these people just faded away. Wow. Nobody stayed for the, for the uh, news. Nobody stayed to, to want to be a hero. We all did what we knew to do, what was right for a human being. And then everybody just kind of faded away. And that, that was, that, that taught me a, lo- a lesson about humanity yeah. is that we can all be brave. We can all be there together and we can, and we can all make it work. Uh, was, and you know, there's a point where it was like, even if the thing caught fire, I wasn't going to let go of that door yeah. uh, because I, I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself. If I ran the door closed and the thing caught on fire and people died. That's a great story. I love that. I mean, ordinary people do extraordinary things all the time. That's why I, I'm an optimist. I still have faith. A lot of people are uh, pessimists, but nothing great has ever been accomplished by a pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, that, is, that is so true. And that's, and that's why it's important for you to do the work that you're doing and to, and to teach people and to coach and to, and to speak because this, this lesson is out there and it needs to be talked about more and uh in a in a bigger forum and really appreciated for what it is that you do and i i appreciate what you do no i love i but what what you're doing kevin what i love i i think people have to hear the positives uh i was watching a horrible show on tv the other night called uh the news and it totally (laughs) depressed me and uh you know, that's why I don't watch the news. I like watching, you know, sports. My wife's like, why do you watch sports all the time? I'm like, because amazing things happen all the time. Uh, I like to read things that inspire. One of my uh, mentors was Charlie Tremendous Jones, and he said, you're the, you're the same today as you will be in five years, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. So I always tell people, make sure to be wise and surround yourself with people that lift you up and make sure you read things that are positive. Um, you know, I was reading a story. It's actually... <laughs> the last book I wrote uh, was my homage to Paul Harvey. It's all these inspirational stories. And there's a great story about uh, Tony Campolo. He he couldn't sleep one night. And so he went to like an all-night diner. It was about two in the morning. And he had his coffee and his uh, donut. And uh, he noticed at the table next to him, there was these uh, prostitutes. And they were being very loud and obnoxious. And he was he was getting irritated. And he, he was about to leave. And then... Uh, he heard, he overheard their conversation and uh, one of the prostitutes said, uh, tomorrow's my birthday. And the other prostitute said, well, what do you want me to do? Give a birthday party for you? And the other woman replied, uh, no, nobody's ever given me a birthday party. And so they laughed and they were loud and they left the diner. And Tony, he thought about that and it really upset him. And he went to the, uh, the manager and he said, do those women come here every night? And the guy's like, yeah. And he said, do you think, would you mind if I come back tomorrow night early and we kind of decorate the uh, 
the diner and we'll have a birthday party for her. And the manager was like, that's, that's actually a really great idea. Well, the word must have gotten out the next night because all these people showed up. And as the prostitute walked in the door, all, I mean, I get choked up every time I say this story, like everybody said, happy birthday, you know, and she's in tears. And, you know, uh, after afterwards, they gave her the birthday cake and then he led everybody in a prayer over her. And I'm like, wow, that's just an ordinary person that was considerate enough to do that for another human being. And I mean, you know, you get like these great stories where it's like a person saves a person from a burning car like yours, Kevin. But I mean, there's people every single day, you know, I that's what I always love about teachers and administrators. They do things that shape people's lives that you never really consider about it, but they're doing it every single day. Just, uh, you know, kids crying and they, they keep the kid in at recess and ask, how are you doing? And, you know, they give them a graham cracker and just listen in. Um, and those are the things that all of us, I, I used to love those commercials. I, it was, I think it was for an insurance company, but it would be like a person does a good deed and another person would notice it. And then they would like hold the door open for somebody and somebody would yes. notice that. And I always love those because it really is a chain reaction. I mean, that's why I really want my kids to be inspired because if I get those kids all happy and excited, well, then when they go home, they're going to be happy and nice to their parents. And that's going to make mom happy. And she's going to she's going to be happier with her husband and the husband's going to be happier. And he'll be at, him and she and him will be at work and they'll be happier when they're at work. And, you know, it's just this chain reaction. And uh, you know, but it can happen the other way. Unfortunately, it happens the other way too much of the time is the negativity can spread as well. And that's why. You know, you have to guard yourself and, and stay away from the negativity. So turn off the news, turn on uh, positive talk radio, uh, read a nice positive book, uh, be around. I, my wife was selling our car the other night and she had me do a test drive with this guy. And she was all angry with me because she thought I'd be out with him for 10 minutes and we were out for 90 minutes. And the reason was because he was just a nice guy. And I made a decision long ago, Kevin. I'm like, hey, if I connect with another human being. I'll let him talk. I, I just want to have that connection. I mean, I'll never probably meet that guy again, but it was a nice conversation. And I'm like, you know, life's too short. <laughs> you know, I really wish that I could say that the best quotes, the best learning experiences, the best things came from my parents. I wish mm. I could say that. Uh -huh. I can't. Um, my parents did the best they could, but they were not the 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 people that i got the most from were my coaches mm -hmm. I was athlete when i was a kid and my little league coach and my my football coach and and those sorts of things that will stay with me and and also speakers that i have the opportunity to listen to who really touched my heart mm -hmm. so the cool thing about what you do is that you touch people, and they may never come up to you again and say, boy, Danny, what you said to me that day, that changed my life. Mm -hmm. But it happens, and it happened. And and thank you for doing what you do. Because it really is It's important for all of us to recognize it. And by the way, he ain't as special as you might think he is. You could do the same thing if you're listening to this Absolutely. and you wanted to learn and and to really put it into practice you could you could do the same thing the more of us that do that the better off we'll all be i think it's just a skill kevin like anything else you can practice being kind you can practice being a speaker you can practice 
batting, batting in little league. It just takes practice. You don't just automatically wake up one day and say, oh, I'm the head of Costco. No, you work your tail off, you practice, you learn the skills, and someday you're rewarded. <laughs> and some, sometimes it takes a long, 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 long time. Yeah, one of the books I just read, the guy had a great phrase, which I'm not going to steal. I'm going to liberate it, you know. I'm going to liberate it and share it with other people. So he said, you got to change your, your ASAP to ALAT. So ASAP is as, as soon as possible. And ALAT is as long as it takes. And I, I really like that. I, I thought, you know what? That's the truth because uh, there's all kinds of examples of people that just never gave. I mean, I, I'll give you a perfect example. I love the show Breaking Bad and Brian Cranston is just amazing in that show. And if you look at Brian Cranston, it took him like 20 years maybe even 30 years of acting and miserable parts. And finally he gets a role that changes his life. And now like he's done all kinds of movies and other TV shows that are incredible, but it took him a long time to get to that point. And, uh, but he never gave up. I mean, how many of us give up? That's you, you never fail. If, if you uh, never give up. It's the uh, overnight success thing. Yeah, absolutely. You spent 20 years to become an overnight success. Mm -hmm, that's right. You know, and uh, but he loved, but he was passionate about it, and he he really worked at it. It's like it's like my favorite band of all time was um, got together in the mid fifties. They went to Hamburg, Germany. They worked six days a week, uh, you know, uh, twelve hours a day sometimes, and uh, and they they got good at their craft. But it was because of the practice that they did it. If you're wondering who that is, that would be the Beatles. Um, but there wasn't an overnight success for them. And, and it's not that way for anybody, I don't believe. Yeah, not at all. So it's, it's, it's really, it really is cool, but I'm, I'm glad that you're helping kids and people, by the way, I got to ask you, cause I brought it up. Has anybody ever come to you later on after you've given a talk or you've, you've worked with them or, or whatever it said, Danny, you, you changed my life or Danny, you helped me. And, and I really appreciate it. Has anybody ever yeah, said that? Now, man, yeah. I mean, those are like the moments where, I mean, that's gasoline for me. I can go on for another year after that. Uh, and what I've decided to do though, that, so it, it, it makes such a difference for me. I, I make sure to do that for other people. You know, when I, I used to, um, uh, teach at the university and one of the assignments I would give to my my uh, teachers in training and as I, I'd ask them well who was a teacher that made a difference in your life and they'd say it and I'm like okay is that person still alive and like yes I'm like okay your assignment is you have to write that person a letter thanking them and you know just the results from that I mean people are always are in tears They're like oh this teacher she said she was going to quit and my letter kept her going I mean you know Everybody likes a pat on the back. So, uh, I mean, again, that's it's a simple thing everybody in the audience right now can do is how can you the game I like to play every single day is I always like to find a miserable person, which is really easy because I'm in a lot of airports and there's lots of miserable people in airports. And I, I always look for the most miserable person possible and figure out a way I can get them to laugh. And that's just my little game. And it's, you know person doesn't know me they're never going to see me again or whatever but if i just get that person to laugh i'm like okay that's that's not a bad thing <laughs> yeah it's, it's a wonderful idea it's if and you know you can do that whether it be at the grocery store and uh or i i worked for 12 years as a profession that universally is not very well liked because 
most bus drivers are not very nice people because they're behind the wheel every day and they get, you know, a certain amount of flack from people and stuff. And, uh, but I made it a point to be nice, nice to people and it makes a difference. It made a sure. difference in lives and you can do it. And everybody, if you think of Danny, how different this world would be if everybody had that attitude. Well, there's so, you just hit the word right there, Kevin. There are so many things that are out of our control. The one thing that is in our control is our attitude. I mean, read, uh, uh, Victor Frankl's uh, Man's Search of Meaning when he survives the concentration camp. And that was basically what he told himself. He's like, the one thing, they can take my clothes, they can kill my family, they can take away my dignity, but they can't take away my own attitude. That's amazing. I, like, that's, that's one of the most amazing stories I've ever read. And that, those sorts of stories are the things that we need to hold up for the rest of humanity so that and that's why you know those are there are lots of stories that but they're in books and so if you don't ever pick up a book you're not liable to pick up that that information so it's important to read nice so thank you for doing what you're doing thank you i appreciate that kevin it's it's really cool how did you get the reputation of being uh cross between robin williams and jim carrey I learned long ago I take my job seriously, but I don't take myself seriously because I ain't all that. Neither are you, Kevin. And if you think you're all that, teach kindergarten for a week. Those little ones will set you straight. Um, I, I was teaching kindergarten once when my little girl's Loretta, she raises her hand. I'm like, Loretta, question. She's like, Miss Purcell, when are you going to trim your nose hair? I'm like, this afternoon. Thanks for bringing that to my attention, Loretta. I ain't all that. So, uh, you know, life's too short. I mean, it's one of the things that when I'm training speakers, really, the only reason I became a coach for speakers was I was at this speaking competition. I was judging 1,300 speakers. and Every single one of them gave a sad story. And I don't want to knock sad stories because they're very effective. And every now and then you need to hear a sad story. But, you know, there's three reasons I have a problem with that. First of all, I think the world needs a lot more hope. All of us have had bad things happen to us. I want to hear about people that have some hope, that they turn it around. Second of all, when I'm working with speakers, I'm like, now, do you really want to tell this sad, sad story a thousand times? I mean, I have a friend, his daughter was murdered, and he's now told that story a thousand times. Kevin, you got to be a stronger person than me to talk about the murder of your daughter a thousand times. I have no idea how he does that. And third, and this is where people get angry at me, is I can tell the same funny story again and again. I mean, I got the Irish in me, you know, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. I like, I like telling funny stories and I can embellish and I can make it fun and it's never a problem. But I have a problem with people telling the same sad story again and again because I, I feel that after the 20th time you've said it, those are crocodile tears now. I think it's something very insincere about telling the same sad story again and again. So to me, it's almost fake when I hear people doing that. I, whereas with comedians, comedians can do the same routine all the time and there's nothing. They're, it's actually a very admirable uh, profession trying to get people to laugh and to smile. <laughs> you know, people don't need to be depressed. People are, people do that all the time. I once saw this movie in the advertising, the, the advertisement for the movie was, oh, it's about life. And I'm like, well, I'm not seeing that movie. That's why I go to movies is so I don't have to think about life. Get away from life for a little while. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like uh, we years ago, 
my my wife and I were. It was an acclaimed movie. It won Best Oscar. The name of it was Raging Bull. Wow. And and we uh, were standing in line as the uh, theater let out. This is in the day when you could go to a place where there was like one theater. Mm-hmm. And so they would let the folks out and then you would go in. And I, I looked at my wife and said, how come nobody's smiling? Yeah. They don't look very happy after, after watching that movie. And they weren't because it was a, that was a hard movie to watch anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, I agree. I, I like comedies. I mean, uh, my cousin Vinny, you know, or a fish called Wanda or Ferris Bueller's day off. I like things or home alone. Every year I have to watch home alone. I'm like, this movie's fantastic. I love movies with stupid criminals and my favorite thing on the planet. Uh, you know, life's too short. I want to laugh, man. <laughs> what is your favorite line from my cousin Vinny? From my cousin Vinny. Um, uh, my son and I play this game occasionally. <laughs> I don't know exactly the line. What always gets me laughing, I mean, I like the ute line. Was a ute, a ute. Yeah. What's, uh, a, what's, a, what's, a, what's a ute? Yeah, what's a ute? I like it when he uh, when he's at the bar with the guy and he's like, so let me, here are my options. I can either get the money or you can kick my butt. Hmm. You know, i really been needing a good butt kicking. You know what? I think I'm going to take the money. And even the guy's buddies laugh. I'm like, that always makes me laugh when his friends laugh at him. I like that, and I also like it when he uh, he uh, he holds up two fingers, and the uh, the judge is like, "Let it, let the court know it was two fingers." He's like, "Your Honor," he's like, and he's like, "Okay," and then he's like, "I can't remember her name, Mrs. Davis, and only Mrs. Davis." How many fingers am I holding? That, that movie. If if people have not seen that movie, I always tell this to people: if you're in a rotten mood. Watch The Price is Right. There is no way you can watch The Price is Right and not end up in a good mood. That's like the greatest show ever. I'm like, you just got all these people, all of a sudden they're winning money and everything. They're just so happy. You don't need to know anything on Price is Right. I'm like, this is just the greatest. I I love things that make me happy. That's one of the things that just always makes me happy. I watch The Price is Right. My Cousin Vinny is one of those few movies where every single scene is funny and every single scene actually has a purpose uh, that advances the story. It's like a perfect screenplay to me. So yeah, and they don't make they don't make funny movies anymore. Everybody's all freaking out. Everybody has to be offended nowadays. I'm like, you know what, folks? Just because you're, I mean, that's what a comedian does. They're 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 taking risks to to point at all of our flaws as a society. You know, uh, you can't laugh about it. I mean. Even in my men's Bible study group, every time I'm reading the Bible, I'm like making fun of everybody in the Bible. I'm like, man, they were so stupid. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <for> me. <laughs> I <clears throat> I think people really need to readdress their sense of humor yeah. and and to understand that that hey, man, this is this is just life. We're not going to get out of it alive anyway. But uh, uh, you but you can make. You can make other people's lives just a little bit better. Absolutely. Watch Blazing Saddles. That movie could never be made today, and it's one of the funniest movies ever made. And people people today completely miss the point of the movie. They they wanted to offend everybody in that movie. That's what it was a movie meant for everybody to laugh at themselves. Like how ridiculous are we? And if people can't get that, I don't know. Uh, maybe we're just a little bit too dense. 
<laughs> yeah, my, my favorite line in that movie is when Mongo says, I'm but a pawn in the game yeah. of life. Mongo only pawn in game of life. I love that. Actually, it's one of my favorite dramatic pauses of all time. Um, uh, Cleavon Little, the, the sheriff, he has Gene Wilder's his prisoner. And so he goes and he says, well, I am your host and you are my guest. So what do you like to do? And Gene Wilder says, play chess, screw. Well, let's play chess. I mean, it's the dramatic pause is the best part. I, I, I absolutely love that. It's, and actually, that's exactly what they did in My Cousin Vinny was that dramatic pause. Oh, to take the money or get beat up. He's paused. Hmm. Those pauses, people forget. A lot of the best humor, you don't have to say anything. It's just the pause. Yep, it's the pause in the way that you look at it, and yep. the way that you're looking. And but uh, we saw Blazing Saddles in the theater. Oh, I was wow. 16 years old, and do you remember the um, uh, the dinner scene where they're having uh, beans? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think they edited that on when it was on CBS. They'd always have to edit that scene, and you never understood. When I was a kid, I didn't understand it. Then I saw the unedited. I'm like, oh, that's why they. <laughs> When I was saying you never saw anything like that ever, and and it was the the everybody was rolling in the aisles in the theater, yeah. and so it, it was such. And you know, there was something about laughter that yeah. causes it, it, the the endorphins, and I'm not sure how you know it all works, but it makes you feel better. It makes you feel lighter, uh, rather than looking at the negative side of things and. And stuff all the time well norman cousins wrote an entire book about that was that's how he beat his cancer was he just watched like laurel and hardy movies um he surrounded himself with laughter and and doctors you know even the skeptical doctors the the two things they say that they can't prove but they they've seen it work uh, is prayer and laughter seems to really help patients um and you know we underestimate those yeah i agree i agree and uh it's 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 too bad that more people can't think like us don't you think you know what i i want to do a training with congress i think what i would do is i would take everybody bowling because i'm like if you're serious bowling you're a jerk man bowling you're supposed to just drink beer and make fun of one another and i mean there is nothing wrong with people having different points of view i love that actually i think we should that's what makes america so great is we're all different but you don't have to be disagreeable with one another. You don't have to call people nasty names. It's just, it's no way of, it, it, it's relationships 101. Um, and I, it, it, it discourages me when I see negative political discourse, when I think that, you know, and everybody that gripes about politicians, I remind those people that, hey, we're the ones that voted for them. You know, we're the ones that, it's a reflection of us you know and so if we want if we want to get a better person maybe we shouldn't just destroy every person that decides they're going to run for office and just attack their family and how they made their money and a tweet they sent 10 years ago i'm like my gosh you know uh i swear if jesus ran for president the media would say man look at that he's walking on water can't even swim it's like, my gosh, how do you take the negative out of everything? It's it's crazy. So I, I think all of us have a job. I mean, and so that's what you and I are doing right now, Kevin. We're being part of the solution. I mean, I can't change things that are out of my control, but I can 
I can change the way I treat the people I'm around. And, you know, uh, yeah. that that's something all of us can do. Would you ever run for office? I think I'd be really good at running for office, Kevin. I don't think I'd be very good in office because I learned long ago I hate meetings. I need like a medic alert bracelet that says meeting narcolepsy because I just fall asleep. They're like, hey, no, no, I can cure him. Just get him out of this meeting because I'm a person that likes to take action. And uh, I've always made fun of people. I'm like, hey, if we if we really want to get nothing accomplished, let's form a committee. <laughs> <laughs> That is so true. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, what uh, Ronald Reagan used to say about Tip O'Neill. Mm. And they said, you know, I'm Tip O'Neill was a uh, the leader of the Democrats, and he was a staunch Democrat. And um, Reagan, of course, was a conservative. And people asked, well, how do you get along together? And he said, well, at 5 o'clock, we go and we have a drink together, and we talk and we laugh and we have a good time. And then tomorrow, it's like another day of business. But yeah. we – they we humanize people when we're together with them like that, rather than dehumanize them when you don't even talk to them. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I love that. I mean, my father always said that one of the worst things ever to happen to American politics was the invention of the airplane, because now all these people fly home to their districts every single weekend and they don't necessarily live in Washington DC or their families might not live there. And he said, there's something to be said when you're on Capitol Hill, but, your wife is best friends with the person from the other party and your kids all go to the same school. Again, you don't have to agree with one another, but I think you're a little bit more civil towards one another when you have those types of things. And I, I just think, um, and again, I, I, I don't think ever anybody should ever gripe about politicians. They're a reflection of us. We all have to be a lot kinder. We all have to be a little bit more oriented towards solutions rather than, I mean, anybody can gripe about the problem. Heck, you know, you go to a teacher lounge. You ever want to hear what's wrong with education? Just go to any teacher lounge. They're going to be griping like crazy. I mean, I, I don't want to be around those people. I want to be around people looking at, well, what's the solution? I mean, I don't believe the children are our future. I believe the children are our present. I mean, Whenever I have a tech problem, I ask a five-year-old. They know a lot more about the technology than I do. And, uh, I, you know, it, it, it's, it's again, it's local. Love All of us love to point out, you know, other people's faults. And I have a great post-it on my desk. And all it says, it's a question. It says, what if I'm wrong? It's a good reminder all the time. I'm, I don't know everything. <laughs> Well, but you, but you know, if just by the fact that you know that you don't know everything, you're you're willing to learn things that you don't know. Yeah, and we don't know what we don't know until we know it. Yeah, and so it's really important to. I'm not sure if I even said that right, but it's it's really <laughs> it's really important to be open to other things and and other ways of being. And and so, by the way, I wanted to ask you now, how many books have you written again? 16, sweet 16. I'm writing number 17 right now. And what is 17 going to be about? 16? So, so 16, the last one I wrote was this one, the Leadership Begins with Motivation book. Um, this one I wrote, it was basically my my homage to, uh, to Paul Harvey. Because I, when I was a middle school teacher, I was the only teacher in my school that none of my kids were ever tardy. It's because I always started class by reading a Paul Harvey story. And the kids always wanted to listen. You know, Paul Harvey, when I was a kid... Uh, he'd come on the radio every day at 12, 15. He'd be like, I'm Paul Harvey with the rest 
of the story. And for five minutes, he's telling you about a person or a company or a place. And you're trying to guess what it is the whole time. The problem is a lot of those stories are about like Sears Roebuck. Well, kids today, they don't know what Sears Roebuck is. And so I had to create an updated version. So like my book has like stories about like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and people like that. But after I wrote the book, Kevin, I read it and completely unintentionally, so many of my examples are of white male Americans. I'm like, what's that all about? And so the book I'm writing right now is the same type of book, but it's mostly uh, females, minorities, and international examples. Uh, and these are just fun stories just to, if you if you'll allow me, Kevin, I'll read you a quick a quick little funny one. Can I read you a funny one? Of course. All right. So I say I simply cannot fathom how people get through tough situations without laughing. I've worked with great educational administrators and horrendous ones, and it soon became apparent that whenever I had a great administrator, I should praise God every day. Mrs. Washington was one such administrator. She knew when people needed a kick in the backside and when they needed a pat on the shoulder. Faculty meetings had always been torturous to me as I'm the sort of person who prefers to take action rather than form a committee to discuss it. But Mrs. Washington had such a kind way about her that my colleagues and I always participated and paid attention. And Miss Washington too had a way of getting us all to laugh. One day after hearing a bunch of negative announcements courtesy of our state's Department of Education, Mrs. Washington decided to share with us a positive note. Our school, had recently held a luncheon in appreciation of the senior citizens from the nursing home down the street. They would come once a week to read to various classrooms at our school. And one woman, Mrs. Jackson, who quite frankly had a pretty ornery disposition, wanted to thank us for the radio she had won at the luncheon. Mrs. Washington read aloud the elderly woman's letter word for word. Dear teachers and staff, God bless you all. For the beautiful radio I won at your recent senior citizens luncheon. I'm 87 years old and have lived at the nursing facility for the past 10 years. All of my family has passed away or forgotten about me. I'm all alone and it's nice to know that someone is thinking of me. Mrs. Bradley has been my roommate for all my 10 years here. She's 95 and has always had her own radio, but before I received one, she would never let me listen to hers, even when she was napping. The other day, Mrs. Bradley's radio fell off her nightstand and broke into a million pieces. It was awful and she was in tears. Her distress over the broken radio touched me and I knew this was God's way of answering my prayers. She asked if she could listen to my new radio and I told her to kiss my backside. Thank you for that opportunity. Sincerely, Yolanda Jackson. <laughs> yeah, that didn't turn out anywhere like I thought it was going to turn out. <laughs> well, that's the <a> setup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a beautiful story. And and mm -hmm. if if you get the get the right to be able to, to do that, you know, I, I got to say, can I tell you this real quick story from my youth? I love her. Um, I was uh, probably in fifth grade, and we the school I went to was a mile away, but I would walk there back and forth like in fifth grade. And there was an elementary school that was a couple of blocks away. We went to a Lutheran school, which is why it was farther away. And uh, so I, I'm walking home, and I get to my street, and there's a couple of kids 
and they start running at me and they're running from the elementary school and they chase me down and one guy punches me in the head and uh and i get up and i and i run home and and my parents are doing the yard work in the front and i said some kid just punched me and and my dad said oh you look fine to me <laughs> as, as parents uh will will do and so the next day i uh was on my way home saying walking the same way i decided to cut off and go one street shorter and to look through a yard to see if there was anybody waiting for me and there was and one of the kids that had hit me the day before was there waiting for me and so i walked down to the, the street and there were a bunch of older kids that i'd played ball with and we'd hung out together and stuff and they said well why are you hanging out here and i said well a kid hit me yesterday and he's up there in front of my house and i'm scared to go home and so they said oh yeah well we'll take you home so there were like six of them and they and they took me home and uh, they surrounded this kid and said what are you doing and why are you after him and uh, um, a couple of minutes later car pulls up his mother gets out of the car and uh and she's and she looks at him why are you kids here bothering my son and they said, well, he was bothering him. And, oh, is that the dirty mouse son of a gun? And, uh, and I looked at him and I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. So my mother comes down uh, from the house at this point because she sees the commotion. And the kids that were all there were saying, I've known this kid for years. I've never heard him say a dirty word my entire life. Uh, you got the wrong kid, and you, your kid needs to apologize to this boy because he did nothing wrong. And this was a group of kids that were defending me and just because I was a nice guy and, 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 and I didn't do anything of what. So as a, as a society, as a community, we should get together and to help each other that way. That was That was a really, for me, that was, a story that obviously it still impacts me today, nice. um, you know, but uh, it was, it was, it was, um, it was, it was a wonderful outpouring of human affection and, and doing the right thing. That's great. And, you know, so I don't know if that means anything to anybody else, but if it, it, those stories happen to people all the time. I love it. I love it. I'll give you my, my second grade story, I always tell people my second grade story. My second grade teacher in Iowa Falls, Iowa was Miss, Mrs. Hess. And Mrs. Hess, I don't know why she did this one day, but uh, she holds up her pencil and she's like, raise your hand if you can see this pencil. And all those kids raise our hands and she's like, good. She takes us out to the hallway and she says, raise your hand if you can see that exit sign at the end of the hallway. And all of us raise our hands and she's like, good. So then she takes us out to the playground. She's like, raise your hand if you can see that house across the street. And all of us raise our hands. And she says, good. And she says, this is a tough one. Raise your hand if you can see the water tower five blocks away. And all of us raise our hands. And she says, good. And she says, here's my question for you. How far can you see? And one little girl's like, I can see a mile. And I'm like, I can see two miles. And one boy's like, I can see four miles. And she's like, Any, anybody else? She's like, good. She's like, okay, now everybody look up. Raise your hand if you can see the sun. And all of us raise our hands. And she says, good. Did you know 
the sun is 92.9 million miles away. And just now, the best of you said the farthest you could see was only four miles. All of you are grossly underestimating what you're capable of. <laughs> one, of the oh, best one of the best lessons I've ever had. <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant. That, that is, and, and see, and that's what I'm talking about because you're an educator, you're a teacher, and you're a coach, and you're a speaker, and those stories stay with people long for their entire lives. They, mm -hmm. they, they, and so that's really cool that you're doing, you're doing what you're doing. It must, did you think 20 years ago that you'd be sitting here having this conversation with me and doing all the things that you've done, 16 books, uh, speaker, keynote, all that stuff? I still don't know what I'm doing, Kevin. I'm I'm excited to I'm excited when I go up to that kiosk in heaven to ask all these questions and God's just laughing. Oh man, you were so stressed and I knew exactly how this was gonna end. <laughs> it's it's the, 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 beautiful, the beautiful thing is is that it's going to end exactly how you want it to end. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I think. So yeah. um, but by the way, we've been talking with Danny Brassell, and go to dannybrassell.com. You can find out all about him, all the work that he's done. Uh, he's got he's got videos, he's got coaching, he's got products, he's got he's got everything, and you should go there. Um, and by the way, if you uh, if you're if you need help as a parent, and most parents are in their twenties. And, and I hate to tell you this, if you're a parent and you're in your 20s, you don't know much. Mm. Um, so if you need help getting your child to learn how to read, go to his website. He's got lots of resources there to help you help your child because reading is so important to their development and to the next generation. That And books, I hope they stop banning them and books don't go away. But it's important that people read so that you can. I told you the story last time about when I was a bus driver and a man came up to me and uh, he had a schedule in his hand and he said, hey, can you tell me what time the uh, 150 leaves Kent? And I said, well, you got a schedule in your hand. Look it up. Because I was driving. And he said, well, I want you to tell me. And uh, it took me a couple of moments, but it dawned on me that he had a schedule in his hand, but he did not know how to read. Yeah. It handicaps people. If, they, if you can't read, it's it's like trying to run a race with one leg. You, it's hard to do. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll send everybody to another site, too, uh, as a thank you for listening to me. If you go to freegiftfromdanny.com, again, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to send everybody a complimentary e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. This is a book I wrote for a school principal who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation, demonstrates the same concept. You read that in five minutes. I'm also going to give everybody access to a five-day reading challenge I did online last summer for about 700 parents, where every day for a week, I give you an hour's worth of ideas to get your kids to read more, read better, and love reading. Because the more excited we get kids to read, the more likely they are to read. And the more they read, the better they get. That You just have to go to freegiftfromdanny.com 
uh, or you can always go to dannybrassell.com. And again, my last name's really easy to remember how to spell. It's spelled like bras cell. No, I never took any grief over that as a child. Uh, and I, I just love what you're doing. Uh, Kevin, this is the positivity we're talking about. Like when I started working with Cyber Smarties is unbelievable. Cyber Smarties is a social media platform for kids ages five to 12, where it teaches kids how to use social media positively. So let's say I type a message to you. I say, Kevin, I think you're ugly. It won't let me send the message. Instead, you get a pop-up saying, that's not a nice thing to say. Here's better ways to talk to a person. And basically it frustrates kids about slowing them down that within three days they stop writing negative things altogether. The program's actually completely eliminated cyberbullying in uh, Ireland. It's now in India, it's in New Zealand, it's in UAE, it's in Turkey. Uh, we're trying to get it into the United States. I mean, one of the other cool features is it asks the kids every day, well, how do you feel? Well, if the kid says they're sad, then it starts showing all these messages from their friends like, well, here's what uh, Kevin says about you. Oh, I like Danny because he is a loyal friend. Oh, and here's what uh, Greta says. Greta says, uh, I like I like Kevin because uh, he he helps me with my math. Homework. I mean, it's amazing. If I mean, I really wish we had cyber smarties for adults. They need the, they need the help more than anybody. But uh, at least we'll start with the kids. Uh, uh, and it's really like your show. How do we spread a little bit of positivity in a in an ever darkening world? <laughs> and it is that. By the way, you said you're trying to get that into our country. Yeah. What do you need to do to do that? Well, right now we're working. We're focused on Florida right now. Florida seems to be the place that. And actually, I'm trying to get it into Utah. Utah actually just passed a bill in their legislature signed by the governor that says kids can't even go on social media without parental consent. I would love to get it into those schools in Utah, but we've been focusing on Florida because I have a, a friend of mine who's a superintendent who, if we can get it, you know, five of the top 10 school districts uh, in the country are in Florida. If we can get it into Florida and just show how it works in one school district, once one loves it, it'll just spread like the pandemic all over the country because this is something that's long overdue in America. And uh, it's just a positive thing. You don't really get to hear about the positives that often. Uh, one school that we put the program in in New Zealand, cyberbullying was gone within 24 hours. I mean, it was that quick. Wow. It's just teaching the kid, and, it, and it's just the tip of the iceberg, Kevin. I mean, we can do so many things. I mean, I want to get this program into Africa where we can start asking questions to the kids, like, did you eat breakfast today? And if the kid says no, then we can partner with UNICEF and make sure that there's food getting into that community because the kid's not eating. And there's so many possibilities for it. But what's great is it's a positive thing. And, you know, that's what I, life's too short. I don't want to be around the negative. So when you ask me if I'd, <laughs> I'd be a politician, I mean, I pray for our politicians. They have to deal with negativity all the time. I mean, you know, um, I got so many people in my family that are cops. I'm like, man, I would hate to be a police officer. You're dealing with so many negatives all the time. You know, uh, one of the reasons I left the classroom was it wasn't about teaching kids anymore. It was about, you know, oh, what's the mandate that the school has? And I mean, I get in trouble all the time because I have a big mouth. And I'd, I'd always say, if the answer to my question is not because that's what's best for this kid, why are we doing it? I mean, it's just, a, it's a very sincere question. Education has to be very different for every kid. This is why anybody that says they have the solution, I'm like, well, you're full of it because there's 40 solutions. I mean, every kid's a little bit different. And 
our job is to figure out what's what's the fuel that uh, fires this kid's uh, enthusiasm and how do we support that? I just wish they teach they teach the kids how to balance their checkbook. That yeah, would be. <laughs> so my my kid my kids are now in their thirties and they, I, <clears throat> I tried. Goodness yeah. knows I tried, but I could never get them to manage money. <laughs> yeah. I was talking with my son the, just the other day, and he's getting together with a girl, and and she makes uh, as much money as him, so he's going to have a disposable income. And and I said to him, I said, "Son, please save your money." And he said, "What?" I said, "Now that you're going to have excess, save your money." Why would I do that? Um, and I said, really? You, and, and so anyway, but that <laughs> it was a, so so that you have some instead of always having none yeah. and, and having to wonder where if you're going to be able to feed the dog today. You know, that's that's not a good place to be. And and but reading can help people learn how to how to balance their checkbook, how to live their lives a little bit better. And so congratulations and thank you for the website where they can pick up the re- it's uh, the free uh, ebook again is free gift from Danny.com. And again, Kevin, thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate you and all that you do. And uh, I know that you're serving your audience very well. I just enjoy the hell out of you. You're, you're a great guy. Um, I, and I want you to become president of the United States. That's what I want. No, no, no. Although that was a, the great fact I just found out the other day is that when Reagan was president, they delivered 735 pounds of jelly beans to the White House every month. <laughs> Maybe we just need to give more candy to presidents. <laughs> no, that would be really cool. You know, well, I ran, I ran. What do you think about this? Um, I ran into a gal, and she is a. Uh, um a um um oh she she's not a, a sex coach she is a um in uh, not endearment coach she she helps people married couples appreciate each other better mm. and and stuff and she says we have this uh um little game that we play and we have different candies and we have a candy dish in the middle of the of of the of the room or it's in on the coffee table or something and if you if you want to um oh the intimacy coach and mm-hmm. if you want if you want to have intimacy you put like a jelly bean on there and if he puts the same jelly bean on there then you know that later on you're going to anticipate and you're going to have fun with it and that kind of thing so i think we should do that in a lot of different cases with with kids it's like i want to go to the store and i want your whatever it is i don't know where i was going with that but i just well it's the best takeaway i got from our hour together kevin is i'm going to buy a whole bunch of jelly beans for my wife <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right and then and then it it can be like uh um you can have just never mind i'm i can yeah. go off <laughs> I don't need to do that, but I show. Want to, family show. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I want to thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. I know that it's going to help somebody um, get their kids to read, go to, go to his website and get the, get all of that done. And uh, I, I know that uh, you're, you're, you're a very gifted special man. And I want to thank you for being here. Thanks, Kevin. God bless. God bless to you too. If you'll hang right there, I will be right back. 
Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.